favorite thriller. Presented by The Thriller Fiction Podcast. Jim Heskett talks to thriller authors about their favorite thriller books. And now, here's your host. Hello, I am here today with author Nick Thacker, and let me tell you a little bit about Nick. Nick Thacker is the USA Today best-selling author of action-adventure thrillers and mysteries, including the Harvey Bennett thriller series. Often mentioned as a cross between Clive Cussler and James Rollins, his stories are written in a fast-paced, punchy style. He lives in Colorado Springs with his wife, two kids, and two dogs. Which, Nick, that leads me to my first question. Why are you lying? Well... We technically own a home in Colorado Springs, so it's not really a lie. Uh, but I am currently in Honolulu, Hawaii, where we've lived for seven months. Um, probably not going to be our long-term home, so I kept the Colorado Springs uh, uh, thing, whatever that words, <laughs> whatever those are called, in my bio. bio well, that's what it is. Welcome. I just had to hit you with that question right off to, uh, to course, let you know this is going to be a hard-hitting interview. And I will no pull no balls. punches. That's right. Uh, so why don't you I tell don't... us a little bit about what you write and a little bit about you? Yeah, well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, uh, probably because I wrote that bio, I think. Um, <laughs> it is, I try to write books that are very plot-forward uh, with some good character development, but um, in that order. You know, I, I started reading thrillers because I liked the plots. I liked what was what was happening, the, the machinations of, of stuff, and um, I wanted to put that in my books. They've been described as airport books or airplane books uh, as an insult, and I, I took that and, <laughs> and ran with it because I love that. It's exactly what I'm trying to write, is uh, books that you buy to get on the airplane because you need to be entertained for a few hours. Um, not trying to you know write the next great American novel. They're just fun. They're fast. There's a lot of neck shots and uh, gunshots and things <laughs> like that, but... Uh, um, they're the kind of books that I want to read. You know, I don't take, um, airport thriller as an insult either, because the way I look at it, you know, is I'm an author too. And I don't, I, you know, we're not curing cancer, but right. the way I figure out my service to humanity is if I can make somebody forget about their crappy life for a few hours and, and dive into something fun, then I feel like I've done my job. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, at, at best I want to make people think, so I put some science in there that's real, some history that's real. Um, but you know, yeah, at, at the end of the day, I'm just trying to entertain people. Yeah. Have a good time. So today we're going to talk about your favorite thriller. Um, so what, what book are you want to talk about today? Well, I can't remember which one I told you I was going to talk about, but so this may change, but, uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, a book called Amazonia by James Rollins. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, just like what I just described. It's, it's very plot forward, uh, but there's some good characters in it as well. Uh, definitely in the realm of what I would call an airport book, but it is just a rollicking good time set in the Amazon rainforest. Can you give us like a little teaser or kind of a synopsis that doesn't spoil anything? Sure, sure. Yeah. So the opening chapters or chapter is um, is set in the Amazon. There's a man who stumbles out of the jungle and he's dying. He's got some kind of uh, virus in, inside of him. And I can't remember if it's a church or something he ends up in, but there's a, a monk type person who helps him tries to bring him back to life, fails, the, the guy dies. Um, but they take a picture of the man after he dies and try to figure out who he is. They send it out. And the man's son, uh, I think, his son or somebody related, somebody recognizes the man and says, I know who that is. That's a man from an expedition that entered the rainforest years ago and no one's ever heard of him since, heard from them since. And they say, okay, so this starts to get 
you know, okay, we, we're going to go back into the rainforest and, and, you know, as a reader, you're going to be pulled back down there to try to figure out what happened to this expedition. Here's the hook. And this is why I love this book. Um, the person who recognizes the man in the picture says, that's really interesting. This man has two arms. And the guy's like, well, yeah, of course he does. And the guy says, well, when this man went into the rainforest 10 years ago, he only had one arm. Uh-huh. Right. Huh. So it's it's got a little bit of this. What happened in the rainforest? How did he heal uh, his arm and grow an arm back or what? You know, whatever happened. And so that's the hook for the for the whole set for the whole novel. They go down to the rainforest, new expedition to try to figure out somebody's son. I can't remember. I think his name is Sam, but um, is the main character trying to find his father who was part of this expedition. Mm-hmm. Um, not the man who was in the in the picture from the beginning, but just part of that expedition. So. Uh, there's some of that father-son. Uh, there's a little bit of a love interest. There's a little bit of a, um, you know, the good guys, bad guys, people trying to find um, this this thing or whatever happened that uh, that that could grow limbs back, essentially. So it gets in a little bit of the science, a little bit of the the mystical type element, um, but it's certainly not not fantasy. It's certainly not in the realm of of a Harry Potter type thing. Um, very strongly in the action adventure thriller genre, and I I love it. I've read it probably three times now. Wow, that's uh, it sounds like it gets to the action right away, which is something <laughs> I can appreciate. If a book takes six chapters before you actually find out what it's supposed to be about, or Absolutely. before anything happens. Um, so would you would you characterize it more as a character based story or a plot driven story? Certainly plot driven. Um, just like what when I described, and you could tell. I didn't even really know which character was doing what or who was whose mm-hmm. father or son. Um, that's all important to the book, of course, but it's it's second kind of takes backseat to the uh, to the plot. Um, and, though, and again, I you know I have read it enough times to know some of the major plot things. I won't give any of them away, um, but there's just so much happening in this story uh, that is really not based on on the characters. You know, it's not because of a character doing a certain thing. It's just a mm. lot of action. Can you tell us about the villain in the story without spoiling anything? Uh, not really. Um, it's kind of hard to explain because the villain isn't who we think it is, uh, which is always always makes a good villain. Hmm. Um, or hint what we think it is. Um, and so it ends up, yeah, um, there's not a whole lot more I can say about it without without giving some stuff away. Okay. Unfortunately, um, yeah, you see that more in like in um, usually in mysteries where you don't know who the villain is until later on in the book or the villain, you know, reveals themselves. But you, it's definitely more common in thrillers where you know who the villain is from the outside, yes. but uh, from the outset. But it's not always that way. Right. 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 I guess what I mean is there is a, a, a bad antagonist facet to the book. That's just not the only element that is what I would call the villain or yeah. even the main one. Right. So, so there's the obvious part, but then, then there's a little bit, a little bit more to it than that, which mm. is great. Love it. Would you describe this book as a page turner? Absolutely. hundred percent. What does it, what does it mean to be a page turner to you? For me, it, so I get, I get about two and a half minutes a day to read because I have kids. <laughs> and so when I go to bed, um, that's the only thing I want to do on, you know, ever is sleep. Um, in order to get to sleep, I, I open my Kindle and I read. And so when I when I read a book, I, I consider a book a page turner when it's one that keeps me awake against my will. Mm-hmm. 
when it's one that I just can't, I got to go to the next chapter. And James Rollins writes, I've read all of his his books. Um, He writes in a way, I try to emulate this in my own writing, where every chapter sort of ends on a a question, a a cliffhanger and some, maybe not as big of a cliffhanger, but there's something pulling you onto the next chapter. There's really no resolution at the end of it. The resolution happens at the beginning of a chapter or the middle, and then another question is answered at the end. And it just, it just pulls you in like that. Is this, um, is this book part of a series? It's not actually. And that's part of the reason I like it. Um, James Rollins writes the Sigma force series, which is now up to like, you know, eight or 10 books, I think. Um, but he did a few books early on that were just solo, um, um, all, sorry, uh, just standalone. Mm-hmm. And Amazonia is one of them. So it's, it, and he, I don't know that he has plans to do a sequel or anything like that, or even if you could. And so I think for that reason, the book really stands on its own because it's just a full story. There's nothing, all the, all the loose, it's so satisfying to read because all of the loose ends are closed. All, mm-hmm. all the loops are whole, or all the holes are closed. Um, the open loops are closed by the end of the book. And so it makes it for a really satisfying read because you know there's no more story than that. Everything is done. Hmm. Interesting. And these days, especially as you know, you know, you and I are both writing series that are going to be, you know, a thousand books long. Um, it makes more money, but it keeps readers engaged for a longer period of time. But beca- we have to sacrifice having fully closed loops at the end of all of our books. They have to yeah. leave something open, even if it's just, hey, this character's not dead yet, so he can come back later or she can come back later. Um, it seems like that's that's pretty common with with thriller authors who, um, at least for traditionally. Pop- published thriller authors who early in their career, they might have more standalones, you know, like most people Lee child is kind of an anomaly that he only ever writes Jack Reacher. And that's as far as I know, that's the only thing he's ever written. Like his first book was the launching of his series, but you Mm -hmm, see more mm -hmm. authors who they'll put out a couple of standalones before they start their series. Right. And yeah, I mean, if you're Lee child, keep doing what you're doing. Right. It's just, I think most of us, have to get our feet wet with something that's more standalone. I did the same thing with the first three books and the third book I wrote, the Enigma strain, um, ended up being one that readers really liked. And so I was basically just asked to write more. And at that time, and this is probably why the, the Enigma strain is, has sold as well as it did. I I think it, it was intended to be a standalone book. Mm -hmm. I just took the characters at the end of it and started for the next book. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've done that too, where something that was supposed to be a standalone turned out to be a series because people asked for it. So about Amazonia, what's the what's the one thing you said this is your favorite thriller? So what's the what's the one thing about it that makes it stand head and shoulders above all the other thriller books that you've read? For me, it's this it's this perfect blend of science, history mystery of the and I mean mystery in like um the what if the the Mm. what if question I think the Amazon rainforest just like um the depths of the ocean or Antarctica there's a few places left that there are only a few places left on earth where I think there's some like some some real mystery surrounding what's actually there um you know in the Amazon I, I think there's a little bit more fictionalized mystery to it of course um because for the most part we do know it's there um but there's this idea that, well, what if there's some kind of, you know, magical drug that can cure cancer down there? What if there's some kind of thing that could mysteriously regrow limbs, for example? Um, and I think for me, that was that was the perfect mix. Amazonia has the perfect mix of things that are real. Um, 
the, the kind of terrors that they face, you know, um, I won't give anything away, but there's pretty nasty creatures and bugs and all that in the Amazon rainforest that, that are actually there. And of course, um, the team that goes in there finds them all and, and gets eaten and, and all that by them. But then there's this idea of the what if of, wow, what if this is down there? We don't really know. And it's so hard to get an expedition down, even with today's technology to get something down there. And it's not enough to take a bunch of guns and, you know, uh, Navy SEALs down there to, because we just don't have, we don't have the, the knowledge of what's down there, what's wait, awaiting us. I think that was the biggest, mm-hmm. the biggest draw for me was I, I wanted my suspension of disbelief, you know, kicked in. I, I, I wanted to believe that the stuff they encountered was real. And James Rollins does a great job of making it seem like it could be real. Um, when you have an exotic location like that, it must add a lot to the excitement, you know, a place that um, a lot of a lot of uh, Americans at least haven't been to because like part of the reason why James Bond is so exciting, I think, is because he's so international. You know, if, if every right. James Bond no- novel took place in Des Moines, it probably wouldn't be nearly as interesting. And I, I'd Absolutely. have trouble believing yeah. that much exciting stuff happened in Des Moines, to be honest, if. Every James I've been Bond to Des Moines, novel. and there's some exciting stuff, but it's definitely not James Bond level stuff. <laughs> My parents are from there, so I, I definitely know. Um, but you know, with James Bond, another another facet of that, another element is is he's a gadget guy, right? He's these he's yep. he's got all these gadgets that we've never heard of. That of course they're fiction; they're not real, but but they could be. Um, and so the author Ian Fleming makes those seem so real that oh, of course that would exist. Of course he would have that. Of course, um, MI6 would be able to to pull something off like that. And so, mm. I think that's true also with the books that I like to read. I've always said to, to my um, people asking me about you know, my ideas, I, I call it a, my formula. And of course, I put that in quotes because formula is a bad word. But um, my formula is throw um, that will put the book in an exotic location. Right. Um, but but the reason it's in an exotic location is because there's a bad guy or group doing something in that exotic location because they're trying to hide what they're doing. Give them some technology that's that's not quite there yet like it's maybe a prototype today that that's actually a prototype now but they've actually figured it out they've cracked it they know what to do um to make it real and they want to of course take over the world with it and then let the good guys go find them go figure out how to get down there and and so they have to battle the excuse me the elements whatever's in that that exotic location and then the technology itself Hmm. not all the bad guys so that's been sort of my formula and amazonia fits that you know, to the T it's, it's got some of the, the technology, some of the modern guns and weaponry that they bring down there with them thinking that's going to help them. Um, it's got the, the real locale, locale of the Amazon rainforest, um, and all the things and creatures that are, that are nonfiction that are actually there. Um, and then it's got a little bit of this, well, okay, that's, that's not real science, but I see how you've made it real science. I see how that, that makes sense to me, you know, and I'm not a scientist, so I'm sure if, you know, someone's reading the book that, you know, a book that I like the Amazon or the Enigma strain, I put a bacteria inside of a virus. Hmm. You know, I don't know if we can do that or not, but, but I did enough research to know that it's smaller than the virus, so it fits in there or whatever, you know, or maybe the other way around. But the point is like, it's, it's enough science that it's like, okay, well, this is hopefully plausible enough that you, you can latch onto it and be like, okay, it's not just out of left field. That's better than just saying, well, I don't. I'm not going to give you any information about the virus or the bacteria. It's just, it just is. And just good luck reader, you know? <clears throat> mm-hmm. So you said you've read basically uh, all of James Rollins books. What is, is there a common thread to all of them that makes you want to gobble up all his fiction? Yeah. I think the common thread is, is similar, very similar to what I, again, I, 
I'll just admit it here. I pretty much model my thrillers after what James Rollins has done because, again, I write what I like to read, and his stuff is is what I like to read. Um, I think if I if I were to nail down <clears throat> what you know what his formula is, if you will, um, it's very similar. It's it's you know put the book in an exotic location, and the difference is I think he's asking the he's causing the reader to ask the question. This seems like magic. The bad guy's mm. doing something magical. The bad guy's doing something that's fantasy, that's not real. And then by the end of the book, he he pulls the curtain back and and you see it's 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 just the you know the guy in the Emerald City just pulling strings, right? It's just it's these things that aren't. It's not fantasy at all. It's real. It's science. Um, at best, science. At worst, it's just you know bad guys doing bad guy stuff, and and we we had some red herring to chase. Um, all of his books kind of do that. And so now with the Sigma Force stuff, it, it does get a little convoluted because you've got all these all these characters and an ensemble cast going on with different people falling in love with different people. And so that's got to be a part of the story, and I get that. Um, but the fun is still there. It's still driving the story forward <clears throat> where you've got – like an example is an, an opening um, – I think it was called The Judas Strain. It's book four in his Sigma Force. I'm looking at the uh, – um, the, the brief synopsis on Wikipedia right now. I'm pretty sure it opens with the scene of a young couple in church um, taking communion together. And I think he or she doesn't take communion, doesn't eat the bread. Hmm. Uh, but everybody who eats the bread, like die, it gets electrocuted like five minutes later somehow. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of like, well, at first you think is, well, that's, is this magic? Is it like some bread that's got some disease in it or some kind of weird thing? And then by the end of the book, you find out it's some technology that's being developed or something hmm. that they're – and I'm totally you know, messing up the storyline for that one. But but that's the kind of stuff that he throws into his books. It's usually right at the beginning where it's like, wow, how did a guy grow his arm back in the rainforest or somebody patched his arm up? Whatever happened, you know? Um, that's, that's not something we can do today in today's world. But the book takes you to a place in, still in modern times where that can happen or somehow, and you believe it. And then so the trick in each book is you know that there's going to be, after you've read enough of them, you know there's going to be a logical explanation for it. But right. the the fun is puzzling it out and not being able to figure it out and trying to think of what it could be until you eventually get to what it is. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's you. I mean, you've kind of broke it wide open for, you know, for my own books too. Um, I don't always do that very well. And I think that's when my books aren't as good as I think they could be. That's where I'm failing is in the puzzle. Um, you know, I may have a really good hook. I think I usually have a pretty good hook and then I usually have a decent enough answer at the end, but it's, it's how do I make this not so obvious that we've figured it out in chapter three mm-hmm. and we're just reading 72 chapters because we like the guy or whatever. So here's a general question. What is it that makes a thriller a thriller? I'm thrilled to read it. I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. I think, like I've mentioned the word mystery a little bit. I think a thriller to me is a mystery, but unlike the mystery genre, it's it's a little bit more about the plot being the mystery rather than the who done it, like who who committed the crime. I think with a thriller, and I actually I think there's an answer to this that Wikipedia probably has better than I do. But for me, it's when we kind of know who the bad guy is by if not the inciting incident then at least by you know the the second act of a mm-hmm. of a four structure um we know who the bad who the bad guy or at least the main antagonist that we want to be sh- to, the author wants to show us is um 
so it's really not a matter of who who did it, who who killed the person, or who's going to kill the people, but it's really more of a how are they going to do it? When are they going to do it? Why are they going to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we stop them from doing it? Um, or what are they going to do? And you know, and I think that's what a thrill a good thriller does. It it weaves this big tapestry of okay, there's a little bit of mystery, but the mystery isn't really who killed this person and how they do it. It's really um, okay. Well, what's going on down there? What's what's so so special about that that place or this thing or this science that the the bad guys got and mm-hmm. what are they going to do with it um so it it really is more a lot more like a puzzle to me now i haven't read a ton of mysteries um murder mystery type stuff but i do know that the ones that i've read it seems like thrillers are typically on a little bit of a larger scale they're answering maybe a few more questions than a murder a murder mystery um and that's probably just not true but for me, that's what a thriller uh, a thriller does. It, it it invites you as the reader to to try to puzzle it out with you with the with the author, but with the characters like a murder mystery. But it's also going to bring in threads of, of you know more science and technology and things like that. I'm just gonna stop talking because I feel like that's totally wrong. But <laughs> I've always had a really hard time differentiating mystery and thriller, so I just say I write. Mystery thrillers. Well, that's fine. That wasn't a quiz question. It was just uh, it was an interpretive question. So your answer couldn't be wrong. I mean, it probably was kind of wrong, but probably was answer... wrong. <laughs> so Nick, you've told us all about Amazonia by James Rollins. What book of yours do you want to tell the audience about today? Well, I wrote a book called The Amazon Code, which features a guy who stumbles out of the jungle with. A regrown art. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I already had the, the great the hook. Bottle, so I just, yeah, I just changed his name uh, to Pam. And uh, <clears throat> it is called the Amazon Code, actually. I wrote a little, um, is it preface, author's note, whatever you want to call it, before the book started, that it was always, when I started writing, it was always my dream to write something that I think could hold up to James Rowland's book, Amazonia. Um, and I don't, I'm, I'm sh- I, I don't, have any impression that I did as well as James Rollins did, but it is a fun book and it's, it's fun because I, I used sort of his formula. I put something in the jungle that could be real, uh, that we just don't know about. Um, I put a ton of bad guys in there that want to kill the good guys who want to find the answer and they both want to find what the technology is that can do this amazing thing. Um, oh, and I'll just tell you what the, cause it is the hook of the, the hook of the book. Um, the opening three chapters are like a prologue in, in some ways. There's a researcher um, named Dr. Amanda Marone. She's down in, in Brazil um, at a research company that does neurological research. And they have been experimenting. And this is all real. This is from Michio Keku's um, Physics of the Mind, Physics of the Future series. Um, he's a nonfiction physicist kind of guy, right? So it all is is real science. They're, but Neurotech is the company that's doing this stuff in the book. And they've taken it to the next level, right? They've discovered how to put electrodes on the brain. And record people's dreams when they're asleep. Uh, video recordings of their dreams. Mm. Um, and I try to explain how this is. Hey, this is all accurate. This is all this works. All you do is you start with mapping the brain when when you have an electrode and when you show somebody a grid of dots, and this dot up here lights up, this area of the brain lights up. And so when you do that enough, you can kind of map the brain and you add enough electrodes and this is where we are with the science today we don't have the ability to make them small enough that we can have enough but eventually we, we could um, and we can get it so precise that we know 
when this little thing lights up over here, it's this this sort of image. So Narotech in the book is doing that research, and they've got a pretty good video representation of dreams that they could record from people. The dreams are all kind of blurry. You can't really see, but you can see that, you know, the example I give in the book is there's a man running through a house chasing a kid. It's his son, and they're happy, and, and you kind of get that idea. Maybe it's a birthday party, but it's really blurry. And then the man who's dreaming, um, you know, it's all from his point of view, looks out the window and across the street, there's a, a man, another man that's all, all gold, completely covered in gold. And it's not blurry. It's totally like, you know, uh, crisp and clear and it plain as day. And so at first they're like, what the hell is that? Like they think, you know, someone's been hacking their, their, their data. Um, but then they start to realize that, the, you know, they, they've been testing other people and, all these people have the same golden man in their dream. Um, and they're like, well, what the hell? How, how does that, how's that all happen? So they do some research. They find out that the people they're testing um, that have the golden man in their dream are all descended from a certain tribe in the Amazon rainforest. Um, so that's what kicks off the book, right? They, they have to go find this tribe and figure out what technology or whatever you know, it is that, that causes them all to have this golden man in their dreams. Interesting. So that's, so, so that was my um, like homage to James Rollins there with the Amazon code. It's the second book in the series. That's uh, Harvey Bennett book two. Book two, yep. I haven't read the Amazon code, but I have read the Enigma Strain. Um, and if Amazon code is, is as good as the Enigma Strain, I'm sure I would enjoy it. Because um, I did enjoy the Enigma Strain. Well, and, thank you. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I also wrote a book. Uh, you also Harvey did. Bennett. So you kind of had to read the Enigma Strain. I sort of forced you to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, that book is The Severed Pines, which is available on Amazon, and The Amazon Code is available on Amazon, and Amazonia is available on Amazon. Um, I don't know if it's available on Amazon in the Amazon, because I don't know if there's an Amazon website in the Amazon, but uh, there could be. I don't know. Maybe. Um, The Amazon runs through several countries, right? It does. Yeah, I mean, it's really more of a basin rather than just one river. Right. You know, but it goes through a ton of little towns and mostly Brazil, but yeah, Peru and a little bit of Venezuela, maybe. Okay. Well, Nick, I want to thank you for spending time to chat with me today. Uh, This has been really great. And uh, that book, again, was The Amazon Code by Nick Thacker. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Your Favorite Thriller podcast. I'm Jim Heskett, and if you want to support the show, please rate and review it online and tell a friend who loves thriller books. See you next time.